So we're in the middle of our series this summer on beloved hymns, and uh, with the, the fourth holiday falling on a Sunday, it seemed like a perfect opportunity to reflect on our national hymn, God of the Ages, Whose Almighty Hand. You might know it by its earlier title, God of Our Fathers. The hymn's themes of God's power and providential care, along with God's hope and desire for peace among the nations, inspired our readings uh, for this morning's service. The first from the prophet Micah uh, that Renata read, the second from Luke's gospel. The second reading occurs just after the birth of John the Baptist. His father, Zechariah, a priest who was unable to speak following the angel telling of his son's role, now bursts into song as he's born in a song traditionally known as the Benedictus that praises God's faithfulness through the ages and will ultimately guide us in the way of peace. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 68th verse. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our hymn this morning, our national hymn, was written by Daniel Crane Roberts. Following his service in the Union Army during the Civil War, he went to seminary and was ordained a priest in the Episcopal Church. Roberts crafted this hymn in 1876, submitting it anonymously for a new Episcopal hymnal to mark the occasion of the centennial of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Inter interestingly, this hymn was originally written to a different tune, strangely enough, to a tune called the Russian Hymn. But it didn't make national hymn status until George Warren crafted a fitting tune by this name for the hymn in 1892 to mark another centennial for the nation the adoption of the U.S. Constitution. Our national hymn is in a way a good reminder of this revolutionary period between the Declaration of Independence and the beginning of U.S. self-governance. For you Hamilton fans, we're essentially talking about the whole first act of the play. While Independence Day is not a church holiday, it is one of rich significance for our denomination's heritage. The only clergy person to sign the Declaration of Independence was a Presbyterian minister named John Witherspoon. You might have heard him preach here uh, earlier this fall. 
During the Revolutionary War, one British newspaper referred to the effort as the Presbyterian Revolution because of how involved Scots-Irish Presbyterians were in the fight for independence. Also, it's evident how Presbyterians were in the revolution and founding of our nation in that the constitution and very design of our federal government are highly influenced by the historic principles of Presbyterian governance. Themes and things such as, principles such as the freedom of conscience, mutual forbearance, rule by majority, but with systems to ensure minority opinions are heard and honored, and so on. Okay, I promised myself I wouldn't geek out too much on the history and Presbyterian governance and stuff, so let's get back to our hymn. It's interesting that this national hymn, whose trumpet fanfare has boomed for centuries and Places like the National Cathedral and Anne will, will put, put those efforts to shame and how, how well she plays this hymn. Uh, this hymn does not name a specific nation in its praise of God, whose almighty hand leads forth in beauty all the starry band. Instead, it's a song of praise and gratitude for God's power and God's presence throughout the ages, as well as a prayer for peace and the flourishing of all humankind. I think our readings this morning really help us see these themes at work in the hymn. In our second reading, the Benedictus, Zechariah praises God's faithfulness and mercy for generations. As God spoke through the mouths of the prophets of old to save us from enemies and fear, to ensure that all might flourish and live in peace. Zechariah sees his newborn son who has been tasked to prepare the way for God's son as part of this divine plan. For this, he rejoices and sings out in praise to God. The second verse of the hymn speaks to this, saying, Thy love divine hath led us in the past in this free land. By thee our lot is cast. Be thou our ruler, guardian, guide, and stay. Thy word our law, thy paths our chosen way. I really, really like these words. They help frame theologically how one might faithfully express their thanks to God for the very place and nation that they live. Yet at the same time, as we said before, no specific nation is named. So while our national hymn articulates a gratitude and praise for God's presence in this place, it also reinstills that our ultimate loyalty as Christians is not to a nation or a party or any person, but to God who is our ruler, guardian, guide, and stay, whose word is our law, whose paths are chosen way. Such a reminder of our ultimate loyalty to God empowers us as citizens of this nation we love to seek to find ways to make this place we call home more closely resemble God's reign of justice and peace for all. Such sentiment is expressed so well in the final words of the Benedictus, probably my favorite words in all of Luke's gospel. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. In addition to a prayer of praise for God and a reminder that God is the locus of our loyalty and source of security. This hymn is also, in essence, a prayer for peace in our land and every land. 
In the third verse, Roberts writes from the horrors of war, which we know that he had seen. He prays for God to be our strong arm and sure defense, for God's true religion to increase in our hearts, for God's abundant goodness to nourish us in peace. Our first reading from Micah is of help to us here. Like our Luke reading, we would more likely expect to hear these words in worship during the season of Advent. As Micah's prophecy uh, that once God's house is established, all nations shall stream toward it. That God's instruction will beckon all to beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. War will, be ce- will cease to be learned and enacted. Finally, they shall sit under their own vines and fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. This final sentence is particularly fitting not just to the hymn and theme, but the occasion that it is well understood to be our first president, George Washington's favorite words of scripture. Washington placed a hand on an open Bible to these very words when taking the oath of office as president. And when making his farewell address, after warning about partisanship and providing guidance and hope to a young, budding nation, he quoted these words again, which you Hamilton fans will recall in yet another very memorable scene as he teaches them how to say goodbye. This hymn and our readings are prayers for peace. And this long for peace is not localized or isolated to one person or community but rather a prayer for God's all-encompassing peace for our nation, for the world, for all of creation. Now that we're doing a little more singing, I'm excited to share some complimentary hymns in this series, and ones that probably aren't as well-known, but I feel have close connection to the beloved ones we're doing these deep dives with. So you could think of it as Pastor Jim's version of the Spotify or Pandora feature that recommends additional artists or bands uh, based on your playlists. So uh, if you enjoy this hymn, you really ought to try this one. The complimentary hymn I want us to take a look at today is entitled, This Is My Song, written uh, in between the two world wars of the last century in the hope Uh, and it was written in the hope of the formation of the League of Nations. While it too thanks God for the place we call home, it also explores the theme of global peace at a deeper level, as the hymn addresses its prayer to the God of all the nations. We'll sing this hymn at the end of the service, and I hope it strengthens these themes for us today. And hey, maybe it'll even create a new beloved hymn. Soon, we're going to gather again at our Lord's table, friends, and it's here where we glimpse a vision of God's all-encompassing peace as people gather from east and west, from north and south, to sit together at table in God's kingdom to be nourished and fed by him. It's here where we can feel the comfort and security of resting under our own vine and fig trees, unafraid in the kingdom of God. So friends, as we celebrate this hymn, as our nation celebrates its birth, may we give thanks to God for this community, for this place we call home. 
May this gratitude enliven us to make our community an even better place for all people, committing ourselves to the work of peace and justice in a spirit of love and neighborliness. May it be so, friends. Amen.